of San Mateo County presents Dr. Ji Sharat Lin on prospects for peace with North Korea. The talk takes place on Sunday, April 8th at 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Universalists of San Mateo at 300 East Santa Inez Avenue in San Mateo. For details, call 650-286-0332. The community calendar is produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Send your listing at least four weeks in advance to KPFA, Box 51, 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley, California, 94704. Or email us at calendar at kpfa.org. Tell us if your event is wheelchair accessible. To hear this calendar again, call 510-848-6767, extension 621. This calendar is also online at kpfa.org. And it is just about 7 p.m. and you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for La Raza Chronicles. Buenas noches. Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Good evening and welcome to La Raza Chronicles with Nina Serrano, Julieta Kuznir, Vanessa Bohm, Brenda Lescas, and myself, Vilma V. I get to be your host this evening. We have a great show planned for you tonight and we're going to start the show with an interview that Brenda did with the local band La Misa Negra so if you're a fan of them stay tuned for that and for the second half of this show I'm going to take a look at what's going on inside and outside the San Francisco Women's Building we also have our weekly community calendar because it's never too late to plan the weekend so stay tuned I'm Brenda Yescas, and on tonight's show, we have the great Marco and Diana, founders of the Bay Area band La Misa Negra. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Thanks, thanks for having us. Gracias por invitarnos. I'm so excited to have you guys here. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. Tell me a little bit about your band. Um, we are a seven-piece band. Uh, we play uh, music that's inspired by 1950s big band Colombian orchestras. And um, we do like a fusion of cumbia and different Afro-Colombian rhythms. Tell me a little bit about how you all came together. Uh, when I first started the band, I just put an ad on Craigslist. And that's how I found like, you know, the first wave of musicians that joined the band. El Chino Sonidero, who plays a uh, saxophone uh, in the band. He's like the only guy in the band that at this point that's left that came from like uh, th that Craigslist ad. Everyone else has been like a, ref a referral from a friend. Diana, we found out there was this Colombian uh, singer in the Bay singing with salsa bands. And so we found her on Facebook. We sent her a message and invited her to come audition. 
and uh, and everyone else pretty much like either through a friend or through someone that was playing that in the band at the time or just like that they were fans of the band and then they came and just became part of the band over time and are you all from the bay no not at all only uh uh shorty um who plays percussion in the band she's from the mission yeah she knows yeah she from san francisco i'm from l.a diana's from medellin colombia um and then uh morgan morgan's from vermont craig's from wisconsin you know so you're from we're from different places And tell me, like, all the different kinds of instruments are in the band. Como tenemos el berry, el saxofón, tenemos eh, en la percusión, también tenemos congas y tenemos batería, eh, acordeón, que es muy importante, muy, muy, muy importante para nuestra música, el bajo, eh, vocales. Yeah, and, and bass uh, on the album, usually on the album, and on some of our shows we play upright bass only. Uh, it gives us more of that vintage vibe. And then Elena, she plays congas, but she also plays caja, which is a straight-up, like, vallenato, cumbia, uh, percussive instrument. And then Morgan, uh, she plays clarinet and tenor saxophone. Y la guacharaca. Mm. La guacharaca también, muy importante. <laughs> that reminds me, too, where did the band name come from? Uh, that's, uh, you know, as a metalhead, uh, Black Sabbath, I, I worship Black Sabbath, and I wanted to have a band name that was kind of like a loose translation of, of, of that. And so that's kind of what that is. But we also like it because it it conjures up this imagery of the African roots in our music. Uh, the music we play is African and Afro-Colombian music. And the percussion and the roots of that music are a big part of what I think sets us apart from a lot of other quote-unquote cumbia bands or whatever. Mm. And so, you know, La Misa Negra, just having that blackness in the name and then the, the imagery of what we do, just, that you know, that that's what, that's what the name is. Sí, La Misa, porque también, bueno, como dice Marco, es una celebración. Y recordemos que eh, pues estas culturas afro eh, de África y afrocolombianas, ellas usaban eh, la celebración cuando se juntaban todos, lo hacían y hacían música para, para llamar a sus, a sus espíritus y para evocar esto, todo por medio de la música. Entonces la misa negra es, es como ese reflejo que nosotros queremos que se mantenga vivo en estas épocas también. How long has the band been together? I started it at the end of 2011. Um, but it took us about three years, I want to say, um, to get like the people who are currently in the band all kind of in place. But yeah, we've been we started performing in the fall of 2011. Do you remember your first show? Yeah, the first show we opened up for La Sonora Dinamita at um, Cafe Kokomo in the city. <laughs> that was the very first show. Is that place still around, Cafe Kokomo? No, no, yeah. that's gone, man. La Sonora Dinamita, though, is not the original, right? No, no, it was like, you know, there's like three or four different versions of the band. When Like, each one is headed by, like, one of the main singers. Um, I, I don't even know what... I don't even stick around to watch them, actually. We played and took off, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> and you guys just came back from South by Southwest. That's yes. pretty legit. Tell me about that. Bueno, fue muy, muy emocionante eh, poder compartir con la gente de, de, de Texas, pero también de, de gente que viene de todos los lugares del mundo para este evento y también músicos, que es muy importante tener la oportunidad de, de hacer networking también con otros músicos que vienen de, de diferentes países. 
Yeah, we did three showcases there, and they were packed, you know, when we played. So you can't really ask for more than that. Uh, the energy was great, and we played with some cool bands. Money Chicha, Bayambo, different bands, I mean. So I've listened to your recent release. Um, it's a self-titled album. Yeah, it's her second album. It's called La Misa Negra. We call it the Red Album. It's because it's <laughs> all red. <laughs> it's very eclectic, I gotta say. Of course, there's some cumbia in there, but uh, some of the songs had a little bit of like a mambo theme. Even ska, too. I got like a little bit of ska in there. Uh, who comes up with all your compositions? I write the music pretty much by myself, and then uh, I bring it to the band. The band learns the parts, and then they give their feedback, like, should I rewrite certain sections or, you know, rework some ideas. Um, but I write the parts, the music. Uh, Diana, she writes the lyrics. And then, you know, she writes, like, the first draft of the lyrics, and most of them are basically hers. I come and edit stuff, and that's how I change these words. Siempre, or, siempre. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm really uh, she calls me picky. I don't know if that's the right word. But, Mr. But, Editor. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, we work together sí. on kind of, like, getting everything really, like, nice and perfect, you know what I mean? Y las melodías también, yeah. el, la parte vocal y las armonías. Who are your musical influences? I have a ton. Since I'm the one writing the music... You know, it's kind of my musical influences that kind of shape our sound the most. I, I grew up as a kid just listening to the cumbia that my parents listened to. That was always like an important part of like the household. Uh, but I'm into hip hop and rock and metal. And as I got older, I got into funk and jazz and soul and stuff like that. Latin jazz specifically. I grew up listening to mambo too. Uh, my parents liked that stuff too. Um, And all of that, in some shape or another, like, you know, makes its way into what we write. That's why we have salsa and mambo, and, and there's a little bit of funk, a little bit of Afrobeat, a little bit of hip-hop somehow, a little bit of metal. You know, not in any obvious way, but just, you know, the way things kind of end up. You know, if you wanted to dig through the surface of, of each song, you could find, like, different elements in there. I think most people kind of don't pick up on that and they, they just kind of listen to the, the final product. The show, yeah. like live. Porque cuando nos ven en vivo eh, se dan cuenta, es muy, ya es mucho más obvia las influencias que tenemos. Yeah, I think on the first album I was more hesitant to to bring all those influences. Uh, the first album is more straightforward, like cumbia and, and that kind of stuff. This one I just opened up and I'm just kind of like letting it all kind of like hang out in a way. And when did that first album come out again? Like 2013? 2013, yeah, that's 2013, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the new album. One of my favorite songs of the record is uh, Dueña de Mi. Basically means owner of myself. And the music video for it is also really awesome. You guys did like filming it in during the Women's March. Right, right. I really like the message of the song. How did you guys come about writing it and also filming it too? That was the last song that we wrote lyrics for on the on, on the new album. And we we knew we wanted to make it like a political song because just instrumentally, we recorded the whole song with like old lyrics, with like a, different, uh, with different, different lyrics. Different you know? lyrics. But the sound, you know, the accordion and just the vibe of the song just had like a more anthemic vibe to me. And uh, I felt like it needed to be like a political song. Diana, uh, she was writing lyrics, and she was writing lyrics the same day as the Women's March last year. 
And she just got inspired just reading the signs and stuff, you know, from, you know, she's watching the news and, you know, they're in D.C. marching and stuff. She sends it to me, like, done. You know, she, <laughs> like, she recorded it on her phone, sent me, like, the lyrics, the, like, the vocals, and she even added a harmony. So she sent me, like, there were two, three, like, tracks of vocals already when she sent it to me. And I was like, this is it, this is done, sí. it's done. La, la inspiración fueron las mujeres, las mujeres. Y, y cada que veía a alguien hablar, cada que veía a alguien eh, expresar todo lo que, por lo que habían pasado, y como todavía es una batalla que vivimos que no debería ser así, pero lastimosamente es así. Todo eso es como que fue la inspiración. Y yo dije, bueno, de una u otra manera, esta es mi mayor contribución que no es solamente hacer parte de, de las marchas y de, y de hablar eh, sobre las mujeres, sino de tener una canción que nos identifiquemos con ella. Y una canción que el mensaje va a estar siempre ahí, siempre y cuando la toquen en la radio y siempre y cuando esté la canción viva, aunque nosotros ya no estemos, ahí va a seguir el mensaje. Yeah, yeah, so, so that, that, that's one of my favorite songs on the album, even though it's like instrumental, like musically is the probably the most basic song on the album, but lyrically it's probably the most powerful song on the album. When the idea came to make the video, we were like, well, let's go shoot footage at this year's Women's March in San Francisco. And so we went out and we just uh, recorded everything on our iPhone. And then we went and recorded the performances separately. And yeah, that was that. Was it. And then Billboard decided to release it on International Women's Day. Sí. Pero lo mejor de todo es que eh, la canción es muy buena, pero el, con el video es, le da muchísimo más poder. Es como que, wow, o sea, te, te atrae mucho más. Como a mí me, me encanta esa canción, pero cuando veo el, cuando escucho la canción quiero ver el video, quiero ver y, y, y eso lo hace un poco más fuerte, lo hace más fuerte, lo hace, lo hace ver como que, ok, esta canción es lo que pasa en realidad en el 2017, 2018 y lo que va a seguir pasando.
Uh, La Misa Negra has a reputation for having like really lively shows. What do you guys do to get ready for it and get hyped up? I wake up late when we play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, the music, we walk on stage, the energy in the audience, it just, that's the fuel. You know, the music, even at rehearsal, it's hard to just sit there and play guitar and not move. You know, we have fun. We have a lot of fun just playing this music. Incluyendo sound check. A veces hacemos sound check. Y yo ya estoy saltando. Y, ya, y Marco siempre dice, ya cálmate, que solamente es sound check. Solamente. <laughs> Pero es, es la música, la banda, la, la vibra. Eh, es todo, todo. Yo pienso que... Y cuando la gente está tan entregada a nosotros, que nos da esa energía tan bonita, pues ahí es cuando hacemos los mejores shows también, ¿no? No solamente eh, es la banda, la música, sino que también la actitud de las personas que van a nuestro show. Right, and it's also like the way that we feel music, you know, like to me, you know, going to like Rage Against the Machine shows or Cypress Hill or Beastie Boys or punk shows, metal shows, like, It's not just the music, it's the jumping around aspect, it's the mosh pit, you know, it's it's all of that, you know, just head banging and, and all of that, not just standing up there and just playing music, you know, that's, you know, when I started this band, I was like, there has to be a high energy component to what we do on stage, and so that's why we do it. Yeah, you guys definitely bring it, let me tell you, it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, definitely something to see. So you guys don't have any rituals before you go on stage then, huh? Not rituals. We try to stretch as a group. Oh, we yes. we don't do that nearly as as much as we wish, but we try to stretch. I think most people kind of warm up, especially especially the the rhythm section. Diana and I, we stretch. We stretch. You know, I do like um, probably ten jumping jacks. Yeah, <laughs> just to keep me like you know a little bit because I don't want to have the the cramps in my legs. Yeah. Especially porque desde que empezamos estamos saltando. Yeah, I mean Entonces, when we play bars like when like we're playing the new parish on the 30th, that's a two hour show and we don't take breaks, you know. We get our rest, some of us try to exercise, you know. It's all about the music and the energy in the crowd too. You guys have uh, recently collaborated with the guys from local record label Discos Mas on their latest release on 45 inch vinyl. So tell me a little bit about that collaboration. Yeah, that's a homie from way back when I first started the band. Uh, I met him early on. Um, you know, I moved up here from L.A. and I didn't know anyone. And a year later, I started the band. So right when I started the band, that's when I started meeting all the cumbia people up up here. So I've known, I've known that dude for a, while, for a while. And he came up with the tagline that we use for ourselves, Hella Bailable. Um, that's like hashtag Hella Bailable. That's us. You know what I'm saying? And he came up with that. And so uh, when there was when we put out this album, he was like, "You got to give me a vinyl." And so I told him. And so when I was mastering it, I went over to his house, played him the whole album, and he picked the two songs that he wanted for the vinyl. And it's uh, "Me Voy Pa Porse" and "Pistola," which is that's another favorite on the that's album because yes. that's the first for us. It's a salsa song. Uh, it's more of a mambo with Wawanko, um, and, and that's you know I've never written that kind of song before. But it came out so good. I mean, we love that la song. Letra, la letra. And then lyrically, that's another powerful song because it's about gun violence. It's about, uh, you know, the gun industry and gun violence. And that's a topic that's important, and specifically to Diana and me, because her father, you know, she grew up in Medellin. She grew up around a lot of uh, violence. Her her father was murdered. Um, and then I grew up in L.A. during, like, you know, peak of like LA gang culture and stuff and so I, I, I went I've gone to too many funerals 
of, you know, uh, people who were shot and killed. Uh, I had family members who've been shot and killed. And so this, and it's just driving me crazy. Every week, there's like another like gun thing, you know? Uh, Pero y todavía, todavía en Colombia yo hablo con mi familia y la pregunta es, ¿quién murió este fin de semana? Yeah, and it's... <laughs> Cuando no debería ser así, pero es, es algo que, que trae, que, que ya traigo yo desde, desde que, que como crecí ahí en, en Medellín, en, en, la, en la época más violenta, yo pienso, de toda la historia de Colombia, cuando matan a Pablo Escobar y, y se empiezan a pelear eh, pues todas estas bandas para obtener el poder, ahí es cuando está la época, la peor época. Y lastimosamente, pues yo estaba un niña cuando vivimos todo esto. Y, y por todo esto, o sea, la pregunta sigue siendo, aún como está ahorita Colombia, la pregunta sigue siendo... ¿Quién ha muerto en este fin de semana? ¿no? Entonces pienso que es un tema que, que se debe de hablar no solamente en prensa, sino también en las canciones. Y esta canción Pistola refleja todo lo que el, el daño que nos ha causado las armas y cómo las armas en algunos países todavía las siguen siendo, sigue siendo la reina. ¿no? Entonces ahí, pues en esta canción encontramos eh, mucho sobre este tema.
song is also on your self-titled album as well. Yeah, yeah. And it has a deuce of clips from Bangdara on the on oh. the chorus on the song. Oh, really? I didn't Shout know that. Out. Yeah, yeah. And then also uh, on Dueña de Mi, uh, we were talking about earlier, Lo- uh, Cata, Cata from Locura does the backup vocals on that. Sweet. Bay Area love. Yeah, Bay Area that's, family. That's, that's the homies. Working with the family. <laughs> when is your guys' next show? We're doing uh, locally New Parish March 30th. And then we do Mose Alley in Santa Cruz March 31st. You guys are all over the place. Yeah, and we're 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 about to go to Idaho. Yeah, (laughs) we just got back from Austin. We're doing Boise this weekend. Boise this weekend. And then the thirtieth, we're back home. Man, you guys must drink a lot of coffee. Mucho café. <laughs> Lots, of burgers. Necesito, Lots of yeah, burgers. Él necesita muchas hamburguesas. Yo necesito cuatro tazas de café al día. No me pueden faltar. Pues si eres colombiana. <laughs> Exacto. I'm a high tolerance. <laughs> café. Where can our listeners find out more information uh, on your band? You go to lamisanegra.com. It's spelled just how it sounds. L-A-M-I-S-A-N-E-G-R-A. La Misa Negra. La Misa Negra, no La Mesa. <laughs> LaMisaNegra.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook as the same. Um, and then our music's on Spotify and everywhere else. Title, everything. Um, Amazon, Google Play, wherever you buy music. Yeah. Uh, gracias. Thank you, Marco and Diana from La Misa Negra for being on the show with me tonight. Gracias a ti por invitarnos. Yeah, thank you for having us. That is high energy. I'm just dancing around in the studio. Fantastic. That was Brenda Ilesco with her interview with La Misa Negra. And like they said, if you want to catch this band out, which it seems like it's crazy to do it and a lot of, lot of fun, um, then they are going to be at the New Parish Friday, March 30th in Oakland. And then Saturday, March 31st, they're going to be in Santa Cruz. And then they're also part of, if you don't have your plans yet for Memorial Weekend, they're going to be in Avila Beach. And that's the beach right near San Luis Obispo. And that's going to happen a Memorial Weekend. So that's um, May 26th, I believe. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And you definitely have to check out La Misa Negra. So right now, 
as we're making dates and planning our calendar, let's check out the community calendar. I think that would be um, a good thing to figure out. What, what are you doing this weekend? Here's some ideas. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. And this is the calendar of events and happenings for the Bay Area. For Thursday, March 29th, Ashkenaz is celebrating Women's History Month with a presentation of Chavela, a thought-provoking journey through the iconoclastic life of game-changing artist Chavela Vargas. After the film, a live performance by retroacoustic Mexican-Caribbean musical ensemble Cascada de Flores. This is at Ashkenaz Music and Dance Community Center, 1317 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley. Starts at 8 p.m. Ashkenaz.com. For Friday, March 30th, join local Bay Area band La Misa Negra, who was featured on the show tonight, for an energizing night of cumbia and Afro-Latino grooves. This is at the New Parish, 1743 San Pablo Avenue in Oakland. Starts at 9 p.m. and it's wheelchair accessible. TheNewParish.com Also for Friday, March 30th, international DJs DJ Chukuchu from Mexico, Dilatron from Peru, Bay Area DJ El Culcayo, and Deuce Eclipse will be hosting a night of cumbia at the Starline Social Club, 2236 Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Oakland. Starts at 10 p.m. Also for Friday the 30th, come meet and listen to Bay Area artists that have collaborated with the Zapatista community and an update by the Chiapas Support Committee. There will be arts and crafts for sale by the Zapatista Women's Art Collective. All proceeds will benefit the Chiapas Support Committee. This is at La Peña Cultural Center, 3105 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. Starts at 7.30 p.m. and it's wheelchair accessible. LaPeña.org For Saturday the 30th, come party with Bay Area's own Candelaria for Cumbias for a Cause, a night of dancing and all-around fun. Benefits support the Service Connection Program. This is at El Rio, 3158 Mission Street in San Francisco. Starts at 9 p.m. and it's wheelchair accessible. And for Monday, April 2nd, toward real sanctuary cities, Hacia Una Verdadera Ciudad Santuario. A conversation with Bay Area activists Corina Gold, Gerald Lenoir, Bilal Mafundi Ali, and Maria Zamudio. Facilitated by Leslie Dreyer, with artwork by Melanie Cervantes. This event uses hypocrisies as a jumping off point to guide us through imagining real sanctuary, a right to the city, and demands for reparations, not resegregation. This is at the Eric Quesada Center for Culture and Politics, 518 Valencia Street in San Francisco. Starts at 5.30 p.m. and it's wheelchair accessible. And this has been a calendar of events and happenings for the Bay Area. If you would like to add your event to our calendar, email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org. For more information on our show, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chronicles. And to hear past shows, check us out on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Chronicles. Feliz noches! All right. I hope you have a good sense of what you're going to do this weekend. Thank you, Brenda, for putting together the community calendar. We're about halfway through the show. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles. My name is Vilma V. I got 
an opportunity to speak with uh, Teresa Mejia, the executive director of the Women's Building, and Juan Alicia Raiza, who is one of the muralists. So let's take a listen to our conversation about the Women's Building. My guests are both affiliated with the Maestra Peace Mural, which is the name of the beautiful mural that adorns the outside of the historic building known as the San Francisco Women's Building, which is the first women-owned community center. So joining me to talk about the Women's Building is Teresa Mejia. She's the executive director of the Women's Building, and she is a community activist, a single mother, a feminist, a Puerto Rican. We have that in common. Teresa was born in a small town in Puerto Rico, and she was raised in a tightly knit working class community. In 1992, she immigrated to San Francisco, landing at the doors of the Women's Building. Kind of a nice place to land, I think. And she began her work as a receptionist, developed a bilingual information and referral program. And in 1998, she became the executive director of the iconic Women's Building. Teresa, how are you? Good, Dilma. Thank you for inviting us to be here today. Happy International Women's Month. I also have one. Alicia, who is a muralist, and I'm going to talk to her in a few minutes. But let me start with you, Teresa. Tell me a little bit about what goes on inside that iconic building. Just give us a brief kind of thumbnail sketch. Well, let me start to let you know that the women's building I have been in existence started, was founded in the 70s. Means that we have many years working with the community, and our mission is is we are a women-led community space that advocates self-determination, gender equality, and social justice. Every month we have 20, 25,000 people coming to use the services, the programs that we have at the Women's Building. We we are a house or a hub for another nine organizations that provide different services to the women's community. And also we have beautiful rooms that the community use for their events or their cultural celebration or political events. And also we have our own programs we have through the community resource uh, room where we provide different services like now we're running a tax program a free tax program we have food pantry for immigrants we have lawyers that help immigrants this is just to give you an idea that we are a, a life building you go to the women's building you open the doors and there is so many people walking around, connecting, organizing. We have different political events happening. And we have a long history of doing advocacy work for the community. And I'm happy to announce that we started developing a new program, our advocacy program, that will work to terminate sexual assault against women. This is our new program, and we're very excited about this new program. And as you mentioned before, it's, it's surrounded by a beautiful, beautiful mural. Tell us a little bit about the nonprofit hub because there's a lot of different nonprofits operating inside the building. Yeah. Tell us about some of those activities. Well, we have different, like, we have uh, different grassroots organizations that provide different services. We are the house of Mujeres Unidas y Activas. That is a Latina grassroots organization. We have a couple of organizations that work with young women, women and girls, uh, women ventures and women adventures and women's on the run. We have an immigration center for children and women 
Women, we have uh, Parents for Public School, and this is the beautiful of the women's building. You go there, and then in the same building, you can get in touch with different organizations that can provide you very vital t- services. And tell us, why do you think it's important to have a women Base community center. Why do you think that's so well, key? Well, as you, as you say, we are the only one in existence. Uh, we are the first one, that the first women-owned and operated community center in the United States. There's going to be another in a couple of years in New York, and we have been working together with that new uh, organization that will open their their doors in 2020. There are so many, we serve mostly immigrants and the most disadvantaged women and girls. And it's important that women feel that they have a safe place to go. We also, we own the building and that's something very important. And why that is important, we are in one of the hearts of the mission, an area, a neighborhood that has been gentrify where there is a lot of the community that have to leave the area because they cannot afford a space to live and we have them we represent like we we are crying there and we say hey we are a group of women that have been able to get this building working and this we own the building we don't have any mortgage in the building and that's wow. very important in san francisco it's a very strong statement that we're giving to the community well again is we're a safe place that's very important that women find places where we self feel safe second we own the building we're stable and third we're providing important services to the community and i know that you've been the executive director for over a decade so you really played a big part in it being financially well run and owning it and you led a six million dollar renovation project so that's kudos to miss mejia for her many accomplishments that's inside the building i also have the pleasure of hosting one of the muralists who painted the outside of the building. And if you don't know this iconic image, um, you definitely have to check it out. So I have Juan Alicia. She's a muralist, a printmaker, an educator, activist, a painter. She's been an educator for over 40 years. And she's part of the faculty at Berkeley City College. And she founded and directed the True Colors Public Art Program. Her sculptures and murals are principally located in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Nicaragua, in Mexico, Pennsylvania, and in many parts of California. Welcome, Juan Alicia. Wow, thanks for having me, Vilma. It's so great to be here in the same room with the two of you. It's fun. So take us back for the reason that you guys created the mural in the first place, and it's Mm -hmm. been almost 25 years. So take us a little back for the history of the painting on the building. Well, that's a great question. I was trying to think the other day about my own emotions at the time that we were creating it. I had just had a baby Mm -hmm. and a girl. Um, I think my own particular motivation was to do what the women's building does, which is to make a safe space and to make a beautiful space for women and for men, but that celebrated our triumphs, our history, our goddesses, our spiritual life, our role models, um, and really made a shout out to the mission. Yeah. And so how did you guys come up with the images? Because I know there's a lot of images that wrap the building. So tell us a little bit about that, Genesis. Well, let me say that uh, we are seven sisters in paint. So, besides myself, Juan Alicia's, Miranda Bergman, Edith Boone, Susan Kelk Cervantes, 
Mira Desai, Yvonne Littleton, and Irene Perez. So we were an arranged marriage. Um, we came together through a call for artists, and some of us knew each other, some of us didn't. But we had a beautiful honeymoon period when we started, and we made the design. Together we collaborated, we talked, we um, were the lucky recipients of great research that the Women's Building had already done for us in terms of putting out questionnaires to the community at large. And this was pre-internet, so everything was handwritten. Mm. And we poured through those and looked at the suggestions that were prompted by the questionnaires. What do you want to see? Who do you want to see celebrated? Who made great contributions? Um, I don't remember all the questions, but Mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time looking at the research and... Then each of us came up with a full design for one of the facades, or two five-story facades on the building. And now we've painted the interior as well. But we started out with those two facades. And um, beautiful designs came about as individuals. But we sat down together and we negotiated a collage of all of our ideas and designs. And in the period of about three months, the Women's Building had asked us to do a space that was about, I'd say, 30 feet by 12 feet. But um, we had over 100 years of mural painting experience among all seven of us. And so we decided to secretly cook up a deal to present the design of the full building to the Women's Building in a community meeting where the design was to be presented. Yeah, and then now it wraps around five stories from the top to the very bottom, right? So I know that the 25th anniversary of the mural is next year, and you all are have engaged in a project where you're trying to raise funds. Tell us about that and how you're hoping to memorialize the mural and really share it with lots of people. That's right. As Miranda Bergman says, the mural is a standing ovation for women's liberation. And we want to get the legacy of our painting into the hands of the world because we're turning our building into a book, basically. You know, um, we've done uh, a couple of uh, restorations when there were terrible graffiti uh, done in, in 2000 and then we restored the full building in 2012 with new technologies that will preserve it for up to 100 years. Wow. And we trained a new crew of young women who can restore it when we're no longer climbing five stories of scaffolding. <laughs> but at any rate, the the campaign, we're doing the book with Heyday Books here in Berkeley, a beautiful press that, that just did a beautiful book on mission murals called Mission. And, and of course, this one's just focusing on the many aspects of this mural with author Angela Davis. And we're very, very proud and excited and honored that she'll be writing the uh, introductory essay, the, the main text for the book. So with Heyday, we're right now doing a Kickstarter campaign to raise $50,000. Hopefully we'll go over the top because we need more, but we didn't want to overshoot our goal. <laughs> and yeah, and we're online at Kickstarter, um, My Estrepice Book, so anybody can look it up. And yeah, we've had beautiful support from the community in the in the uh, first week and a half of the campaign that we're into, but we, we've got a long way to go. How much are you trying to raise? $50,000. And uh, we've got Almost 18,000 as of today. Wow. Okay. And so how can people go if they listening to this and like, yeah, in the the name of a woman, they know maybe uh, a mother or sister or someone important to them, a goddess, they want to contribute. How do they do that? What's the specifics? So the specifics would be they can easily go to our our website, Maestra Peace Artworks. 
com, and if you click on the front page it says the book it'll take you to the kickstarter site also you can explore our website which has profiles of the artists and different information about the mural or you can just directly go to kickstarter.com and then put maestro piece book into the search engine of kickstarter and it'll come up that's fantastic and teresa does the did you want to add something please yes i always say that the mural and the women's building is like our scheme <laughs> and we have the women's building the organization and the mural and the muralist we have a symbiotic relationship we cannot exist without each other <laughs> we each other we we complement there's no there won't be a women's building so beautiful if we don't have the mural and if we don't have the building the mural won't be in existence and I'm a witness of every day people coming from different parts of the country from other countries coming just to see the mural. I'm so proud of the mural and I'm so proud like I every morning when I go to work the first thing that I see is this mural. This mural is the gift that California, San Francisco is giving to the world. And it's imperative, it's necessary that we have this book that other people that cannot come to San Francisco, other people that want to have it in their houses that can read about this beautiful mural can have the book there and see this mural every day and because this is so important for us and for the women's building and for the community uh, we want to announce that we're doing a matching we're donating five thousand dollars to this kickstarted mm-hmm. campaign hoping that other women match this gift and we actually not only match maybe they're matching of matchings <laughs> and that we can get the go to the 50,000 this is very very important that we raise this money yeah and I think if every woman gives a little bit and anyone who's appreciated the mural appreciated the building appreciated what takes place inside of it you will be able to uh, check it out and enjoy it okay so let me ask one more thing about the kind of political work if any that's happening right now because we're in mm-hmm. some interesting times so either one of you can you tell us a little bit about maybe what's happening inside the building or kind of the things you want to highlight for women who are listening Yes, these are very important times. The women's building have a, a long history of doing advocacy work. In the last year, we put a lot of energy in developing, uh, expanding our programs, services. But we're in a position now, and based on the needs of the community, we're in a position to develop this new advocacy program. You know, the, there's always things happening at, at the women's building in terms of politics. There are different community organizations that have been meeting at the women's building, organizing, trying to make changes of of the things that are happening in the United States and around the world. I always say that the women's march in Washington, and we were 
in Washington, we went to Washington two right. years ago, puse women face to the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And Juan Alicia, do you want to mention anything that's been on your mind politically about women as we kind of move to wrap up here? Well, I'd just like to say I'm very, very inspired by the Women's March, by the Me Too movement, the Time's Up, the Black Lives Matter movements, the immigrant movements, the Dreamers, and particularly the youth that are leading that is very it's very inspiring to see and that's sort of what the mural celebrates for sure and Teresa tell us before you go what is the best way if someone's listening to this wants to get involved in it give us the website give us the address if they want to just go by and look at the mural you cannot get lost because <laughs> the first thing you go to the women's building because the mural the first thing that you will see and you will open your mouth and say what is this beautiful building <laughs> we are located on 18th street 3543 18th street between Valencia and Guerrero our website is www.womensbuilding.org and also there in the website in case that people didn't grab the information about where to donate to the Kickstarter. Oh, yes. Also in our website we have information about how to support this project. We are always looking for volunteers, people refer people to our services, women and men that you know that have different needs, they can go to the women's building and our phone number is 415-431-1180 extension 12. It is an iconic building in San Francisco. It has an iconic mural. Lots of wonderful things happening inside the building. And, of course, the beautiful mural outside. And you can take part in contributing. Oh, yeah. You want to say one Let thing? Let me Go correct ahead. something. Okay. Again, my, my extension. But the, <laughs> the phone number is 415-431-1180. And for information about programs, you dial extension 11. Great. That was the voice of Teresa Mejia. She's been my guest and she is the executive director of the Women's Building. I also had the pleasure of hosting one of the seven sisters in paint, Juana Alicia Araiza, who is also on this campaign to raise funds. So check that out. And if you have some extra dollars and would like to support it, go ahead and do that. And now, uh, speaking because Teresa is a Puerto Rican and we know that there's been a lot of things happening in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. So there's a little bit of information that I'm going to play for you for an event that's happening Friday. So stay tuned for more, more great programming here on KBFA 94.1. I'm Vilma V. All hands on deck for Puerto Rico. The Bay Area Alliance for Sustainable Puerto Rico invites you to meet community leader Daniel Orsini to learn how Puerto Ricans are self-organizing health, food, education, and more in the aftermath of two hurricanes and U.S.-driven disaster capitalism. This wheelchair-accessible event takes place on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the North Berkeley Senior Center, 1901 Hearst Avenue in Berkeley. It features a silent art auction and a Trump piñata raffle. This is a benefit for La Raza Community Resource Center, who will donate proceeds to mutual aid projects in Puerto Rico. For information, call 510-395-0471. The job again 
the job again. Whoa, brother, sing. Where you going to work again? To work again. the end of the hour here that album you're listening to that song is uh, Cuba it's Arturo Faro and his Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra and it is called Cuba and the reason I'm playing that because I want to remind folks that on May 12th you can see him live at the UC Theater at that 2036 University Avenue it's uh, it's called Radioactive Resistance and it's a benefit for KPFA and DACA support services it features Arturo Farrell and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra Bobby Cespedes Band and the Son Jarocho All-Stars really fun Saturday May 12th check that out and that kind of New Orleans inspired music is because our one of our programmers, Julieta Kusner, happens to be in New Orleans. So that's why she isn't here tonight. So I wanted to make sure that uh, we played this music because you can see them live May 12th. So check that out. It's a benefit for KPFA. And also before I take off here, I want to remind folks that the apprenticeship program is looking for apprentices. I'm a graduate apprentice. Lots of uh, graduate apprentices work in the building. And you can be one yourself. The deadline is... Friday, March 30th at 5 p.m. And you can go to kpfaapprentice.org to check it out. And that's, um, you can also call 510-848-4425 and you can um, become an apprentice yourself. So I am almost out of time here. There's my music cueing me out. You get to listen to Avacha and Kuba Bebop and the Musical Truth. So stay tuned for that. 
And I think that was the last thing. I'll see you at this Puerto Rico event on Friday. Really looking forward to that. And again, you can check out Mr. Arturo Ferro and the Latin Jazz, his Afro Latin Jazz Orchestra and the Son Jarocho All-Stars with Bobby Cespedes. It's been wonderful to spend the hour with you. This has been La Raza Chronicles. My name is Vilma V. Check us out um, our, at La Raza Chronicles at SoundCloud. And this show will be archived for two weeks at kpfa.org. So enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the next show. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Cultural Center invites you to the Roots Arts Film Series each Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. starting March 15th. Join them each month as they explore traditions in Cuba, Brazil, Angola, Mexico, and Peru through select films. La Pena is located at 3105 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley and is wheelchair accessible. For more information, please visit lapena.org. This is a benefit for La Pena Cultural Center. Radioactive Resistance is a benefit for KPFA Radio and DACA support services. Featuring multi-Grammy Award winner Arturo Ferrell and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra, the Bobby Cespedes Band, and the Son Jarocho All-Stars, plus special guests, Saturday, May 12, 7.30 p.m. at the UC Theater, 2036 University Avenue in Berkeley. For more information, visit theuctheater.org. Support listener-sponsored.